Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado. Today I have two films to review, uh, two original films, which is very refreshing. It was nice going to the cinema and not seeing a new Disney film or a remake or a reboot or a prequel or all of those things combined. It was really nice just to see two original titles, two original titles I was very excited to see, and yeah, it was just a really good time at the movies this week. Uh, The first film I saw was Junho Bong's Parasite, which won the Palme d'Or for Best Director at the Cannes International Film Festival this year, and the second uh, is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So these were two films I was really looking forward to uh, seeing, and I have a lot to say about both of them, so I thought, why not talk about them this week on the episode? Um, So before we get stuck into it, don't forget to subscribe, like, share the podcast, rate, review it. Um, Yeah, it really means a lot to me, guys. So thank you all for the support so far, and we'll get more content coming out shortly. I'm hoping to do a few things that I'll talk about at the end of the episode, but Let's get stuck into it for this week. So the first film I saw this week was Parasite, uh, like I said, directed by Jun Ho Bong, and stars Kang Ho Song, Sam Kang Lee, Yao Jong Jo, uh, Ye Jong Jo, and So Dum Park. And I apologize if I have butchered those names completely, but that is how I am reading them. The plot uh, revolves around an unemployed... um, an unemployed family who takes peculiar interest in a wealthy and glamorous park, um, the, the park family, for their livelihood until they get entangled in an unexpected situation. Um, this is a very interesting film. The reason I wanted to see it was I am a fan of uh, Jun Ho, uh, Ho Bong's work. I have liked a few of his films, in particular um, his last two films, uh, two English films that he forayed into, and a lot of people have said that they're weaker films in his filmography, but I was a big fan of what he was able to do with Snowpiercer in particular. I love that film. And Okja was interesting as well. So I was excited to see this, and after the rave reviews coming out of Cannes, I was really, really keen. So let's get into it. What did I like? Um, I actually really love this film. There's a lot to like here. Uh, the story in particular is very well crafted. It is a comedy for about 50% of the movie, maybe even 60% of the film. I really like the comedic elements. I had um, a a good time actually watching it, just laughing at some of the jokes and just some of the character setups. It reminded me a lot of a a situational-based comedy, and I just had a really good time when these characters put themselves in weird situations and they had to get out of them. It was just enjoyable to watch, and because of the dynamic of this family, it was just very entertaining, so I really enjoyed that. And I thoroughly enjoyed um, just the the setting as well. Um, The backdrop of this wealthy family and this beautiful home was really, really fantastic, and I really liked the design of the house and the set decoration as well, because the production design and set um, allowed sort of an aesthetic that was very lived in and felt very real. I knew exactly what room they were in in the house and it was just really well established and I really liked that because if you understand your environment, you understand, I suppose, the setting and the characters a little more. So I really enjoyed that. Um, the direction was fantastic. Um, like I said before, uh, Jun Ho Bong won the Palme d'Or for this film and it is just beautiful. It is a gorgeous looking film, uh, really well directed. The cinematography from Kang Po Hong. Um, was fantastic. Just the shot composition and some of the shots um, 
there's a beautiful take early in the film when uh, Kevin's character is meeting up with his friend from university and they're sitting having uh, a coffee together and the shot is framed so they're on the left-hand side and you can see the full street view and just the lighting on the street reflecting off like little puddles of water and whatnot on the ground. It was just really beautiful and I just really liked the way that it was filmed. Like I said, it felt very lived in in a very real environment so it was very, very good and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. The cast are all fantastic too. Uh, Kang Ho Song as the father was terrific. He always is terrific. Um, he featured in a few, or quite a few of uh, Jun Ho Bong's work, um, Memoirs of um, of a Murder, which is a, a fan- Memoirs of Murder. Sorry, is a fantastic film uh, that he starred in, and he has a small supporting role in Snowpiercer as well. So he's very familiar with uh, Jun Ho Bong, and they seem to have a really good dynamic and work well together. So I really enjoyed his performance. Um, I also thought um, that. The dynamic, like I said, of the family was really fantastic. Uh, due to their circumstances, you can completely understand why they're putting themselves in this situation. Whether or not they should, and if it's ethically correct, um, is uh, up for question, but you can completely understand where they're coming from as far as they're desperate. They need to you know, put themselves out there and they need to earn some money. So they infiltrate this family like a parasite and i'll get into my interpretation of the name later on but i really did um like that uh i suppose that dynamic and i really enjoyed i suppose their characterization too you understand completely where they're coming from and you can see their progression as well into they dig themselves into a deeper and deeper hole during the film and it just yeah it 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 eats away at you when you think about it and and it sits with you after you see the film too um like i said before too the comedy was fantastic i found the film to be genuinely hilarious a lot of sequences were crafted very well and i think because of the dynamic of the characters and the situational comedy it made it even funnier i really love seeing juho bong use comedy in this film it's not really his foray so it was very interesting to see him use that in this kind of story because it does go batshit insane and we'll talk about batshit insane when we get to quentin tarantino but i really did think that the way that the story does progress it does feel like a natural progression of what is happening once a certain plot element is unveiled things just are all out in the open and things go crazy but because of that plot device which i won't spoil for those who want to see the film is unveiled it is quite crazy but in the context of the story it does work so i really did enjoy that part of the film and i think that the progression of the story and the situational comedy and everything worked really well together and i think tonally it was fantastic Uh, the attention to detail was great too there are a lot of little nuggets of information sprinkled throughout that reward those who are paying attention i love that aspect of the film because it shows that the filmmaker has respect for his audience and if you're paying attention you will be rewarded so i really enjoyed those little details that are thrown throughout. This little comment regarding the housekeeper's, um, I suppose, her the way that she eats food. Um, Mr. Park says during the film that she eats enough for two people, but then you find out later due to a bit of a twist that happens that she is feeding a second person. So I really did enjoy that as well in the film, and I thought it was quite quite funny. And I, I do enjoy when a director has faith in the audience to put those nuggets of information there without having to force feed you narration or exposition because it's really it's not a natural way to tell a story and yeah it's it's something that i think um 
films like this don't really need and especially because it is a south korean film too i just don't think that uh narration or or flashbacks or or unconventional more conventional um plot devices would really work to tell the narrative here so i really like that he just has faith that you guys are watching and if you're watching then you're going to be rewarded for watching so i really did enjoy that and i just yeah had a really good time with this film but i did have one one little negative um a few elements at the end of the film uh, I took a bit of issue with. There is a scene uh, towards the end. Due to circumstances of um, what happens in the film, the father ends up living in the basement of the house that they're working at, the Parks house. And due to uh, yeah, the crazy escalation of events that I won't get into, uh, he's, uh, and we've established during the film that Morse code is the way of contacting people through the lights um, due to this basement area. So... Uh, Kevin the son is spying on the house at the end of the film and sees the light flickering and writes it down and it's a letter from his father um, to let him know that he's alive and that's where he's living. Kevin then writes a letter in reply but I don't know how he delivers that letter to his father. We get the narration over the top where Kevin's reading what he's written down to tell his father but how does he actually deliver that letter to his father? Was he was it him writing it out to deliver it as just a, a normal letter or was he going to see him like it was very confusing and i don't need it to be spelled out for me it's just a little gripe but it was something i did notice um there's a little convenient shot at the end where it showed them all living hunky dory but it ended up being just a vision which i really did like because if that was the way the film ended i would have been quite pissed off because it wouldn't make any fucking sense so i was really happy that it was just a vision because if it was the way that the film ended that would have frustrated me immensely um, but apart from that, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. The verdict from me is, Parasite is terrifically crafted. It is darkly witty, tense, and is just a beautiful film. I am so grateful that I had the chance to see this one on the big screen. If you do have the chance to check this one out, please do. I'm going to give Parasite a 9.5 out of 10. Now, I said that I was going to discuss the title of the film. My interpretation of what Parasite means is I believe it's referring to the family. The family infiltrate this the Parks household and grow like an infestation or a parasite. And they latch on to the idea of money and wealth, which I think is what Jun Ho Bong is trying to get across. He has referenced class structure in his films uh, quite regularly. That is the main theme of Snowpiercer. So I really think that's what he's trying to get across because these people are living on the verge of poverty they're not living in poverty as such, but they are doing what they can to scrounge as much money as they possibly can to live a better life. And I think that's the idea. And another way that it could be taken is that they can't they can't escape um, that they, they can't escape this poverty or this social class because um, it's it's the parasitic nature that these I suppose these social classes. Uh, established in society that people have a certain perception about the lower lower class and the upper class and the middle class and when you see the park's reaction to uh the father's smell in particularly in this film we see that uh, he's not pleased with his scent so um yeah it, it's that perception so there's two different ways that the film could be taken i me personally i think that the whole message and the title is referring to the parasitic nature of the family and i suppose a mixture of the social class as well which sort of incorporates into that 
But that is Parasite. Um, I did thoroughly enjoy it. So if you do get the chance to see it, please do check it out because it's fantastic to see a film like this get a release. Um, it is releasing over in America in November. I hope that it gets a few Oscar nominations because it is very deserving of them. But that will be another conversation later in the year, I'm sure. Um, the next film I saw, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this is the ninth film from director, writer-director Quentin Tarantino and stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Timothy Oliphant, Dakota Fanning, Luke Perry, Neil Hirsch, Margaret Qualley with Maya Hawke, Kurt Russell and Al Pacino. And the plot revolves around a faded television actor Rick Dalton, played by DiCaprio, and his stunt double Cliff Booth, Cliff Booth, my god, uh, played by Brad Pitt, as they strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Holden's go uh, Hollywood's golden age in 1969 Los Angeles. Now, this film I was very excited for. I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I do want to do an episode solely focusing on his filmography because he is just a he he's a master of his craft. He is so fantastic. He has made some of the most iconic films in history, I think. Uh, his work in recent years has definitely been something to study and something to watch and absorb. He has a way of giving the audience exactly what they want. He shoots on film, which is just gorgeous and looks fantastic. He writes dialogue like better than most, uh, pretty much up there with Aaron Sorkin. I just love the way that Tarantino crafts a film and I think he's one of the true masters that are left in Hollywood that are given this reign to make whatever they want uh, he makes a beautiful film here once again and I'm just very happy that a movie like this is still being made like I said at the start I take a bit of a gripe at the moment with the amount of sequels reboots adaptations just the lack of originality in Hollywood. And when an original film does come out, it flops at the box office. So I do encourage those to just go and see original films. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, whilst it is a mainstream film, in in name alone, really, I, I think as far as its structure and the content involved in the film, it's not really a mainstream film, but I'll get into that. But it is just a fantastic uh, film and it's great to see a movie like this still being made, especially with just the just the onslaught of just remakes, reboots, prequels, sequels, adaptations. There's so much of it at the moment. So I would really like, yeah, if you can go and see it. Let's get into the film. So the positives. I love the setting of this film. Tarantino recreates the feel of the 1969 uh, Los Angeles Hollywood Boulevard. It's just beautiful. The sets, the cars, the neon lighting, everything brings Hollywood to life in this film. It was just gorgeous to look at, and I love the attention to detail. There's long takes, which it comes in to be a bit of a negative in the film, which I will get into. But the long takes of people driving, you just see these sets are all recreated and all these beautiful little things that have just been added to it. The neon lighting, as mentioned, the cars, the stop signs, the traffic lights, everything is just beautiful. And I love that he spent the money and the time to recreate this feel of 1960s Hollywood. And it's beautiful to look at. And I absolutely adored it. The performances are fantastic. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is suitably over the top and very outgoing and loud in his performance as Rick Dalton. Um, he's unsure and ignorant um, and kind of anxious when it comes to his professional career. 
there's a meeting he has early on with Al Pacino's character where Al Pacino's character, I guess, makes him realize in the direction that his career is going. And he doesn't really take that too well. But when he's having the meeting with Al Pacino, he's very nervous. He has a stutter when he's talking to professionals. But when he's talking to Cliff, his longtime friend, he's very calm and collective. So I liked that DiCaprio added that dimension to the character. It was just, it made it a lot more enjoyable to see that he had two different distinct sides. Um, And I really liked um, Brad Pitt in this film. I thought Brad Pitt was a standout in most scenes. He's hilarious. Um, He plays a very laid-back and cool guy in the duo. I really liked the sequences with him reminiscing. There's one in particular of a a fight that he has with um, Bruce Lee on the set of a movie, and it was hilarious, and I loved the escalation, and I loved that there was spent a a good five minutes setting up this one joke that plays out at the end of the scene, and it was just fantastic, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, The direction is masterful. Tarantino is just a master behind the camera. We all know this by now. If you go into a Tarantino film, you know that he's just going to be on point every single time, and he's fantastic again here. Uh, It's just taut direction. There's flair, and you can tell his love for the story that he's telling. And I'll get into that as well. I'm saying I'm, I'm circling back to all these things I'm getting into. But I think Tarantino's love and passion for this era of Hollywood is definitely evident through just the, the attention to detail and just the things that he creates on screen. It is just, it is beautiful. It really is. I really love the story. Um, the idea of an actor who is past his prime in a transitional phase in Hollywood is very intriguing to me. Knowing full well of what Tarantino's roots and inspirations are, I thoroughly enjoyed the idea of this plot in the film. Pacino says to him at the start of the movie, he plays a heavy pretty much on episodes of television shows because he had a run as Jack Cahill in a cancelled TV show called Bounty Law. So because of this reputation he has, he shows up for one episode here and there on television but Al Pacino says, if you keep doing this, then they're just going to phase you out of Hollywood. You need to reinvent your career. Why don't you go over to Italy and make these Italian spaghetti western type films, which is what films like uh, The Mercenary and um, uh, what's it called? The, the uh, Man With No Name trilogy as well, Fistful of Dollars, of course. And, and those films of that time period were examples of these Italian westerns that were being made and that's what they were trying to push um, that's what Al Pacino is trying to push Rick uh, DiCaprio's Rick Dalton into doing and I really enjoyed that aspect of the film and I just thought it was a very interesting way to tell it the Manson stuff that is in this film is handled very well but it is very minimal so don't go into this film expecting it to be a story about the Charles Manson Um, killings in the cult it's not what this movie is about this movie is about Rick Dalton and the Manson stuff takes a back seat and serves as a vehicle to tell the story we only have a few scenes with the Mansons in the film Um, one of my favorite scenes of course being with um, the Mansons out on the ranch but I think that the way that he uses this plot device to tell the story it, it is just a vehicle to push it along and so we can have the ending, which I will get into as well. And I just really loved the story. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Tarantino is letting the audience know um, where his creativity and love for cinema comes from. And in that respect, this is the most Tarantino film 
um, that's ever been made as he is just telling you, I love these films, I love these actors and I love this setting of Hollywood. So I want you to to understand exactly where, where I'm coming from and where my roots lie. I really like the tone. This is a comedy, make no mistake here. Uh, this is a very funny movie that uses a lot of very dark and sad history to create create comedy out of it, but not in a disrespectful way. Rather than being disrespectful, it laughs at the Manson family and makes them look like the delusional fools that they were. And I really enjoyed that because he did the same thing with Inglorious Bastards, made the Nazis look like idiots pretty much at the end of that film. And by doing that, you're making fun of them and laughing at them. So it takes away all their power, which I really enjoyed. I think by taking away this power, it creates a fantasy for this story to take place. It feels very much like a fairy tale, and I think that's the whole point. The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the title, uh, really does refer to a, a fairy tale. And I think that what he's trying to make you feel is that I wish that this is the way that these events played out. And it brings joy out of such a tragic situation and I think that's the best way to tell this story like I said uh, don't be fooled uh, this is not a Charles Manson story it's not a biopic uh, Tarantino is not going out there to make a biopic he's making a story where this tragedy serves as a backdrop for this period in Hollywood uh, Tarantino makes fictionalized violence here uh, out of this situation and I think one of the gripes that a lot of people have with Tarantino is the fact that a lot of his films do have very violent imagery and a lot of violence pretty prominent in the films that he makes. But like the arguments that he's made, uh, it's all fictionalized. It's not real violence. And people seem to mistake and confuse the use of real violence and real violence in real life compared to fictionalized violence. They are completely different things, and with that, I do agree with Tarantino. And what he does here is he mixes real-life violence into fictionalized violence, which is just fascinating, putting a real-life situation and a real-life uh, tragedy, but putting the fictionalized violence into it, and it does create a lot of comedy out of it without being disrespectful. It is very, very well done, and I actually love it, and I will get into those spoilers at the end of the podcast. I love the reference as well to Rick going over to Italy to make spaghetti westerns. I'm a huge fan of the Red Letter Media crew on YouTube, and they have reviewed quite a few Italian films from this period, so I really like the attention to detail. Tarantino is obviously very familiar as well with that period of Hollywood. It serves as a great inspiration for his filmography. David Carradine being uh, the lead in the Kill Bill franchise playing Bill, is a classic example. He was a B-movie actor from the 70s and 80s, and he obviously had a lot of faith in that actor at the time, and I think that was really nice to see, and I really enjoyed that. The dialogue in the film is fantastic. Tarantino is a tremendous writer. He's able to make the most mundane situations, the most exciting dialogue scenes, which is just fascinating again. I really love the way that he creates a scene and crafts a scene, when it's just two characters sitting down talking, it is honestly fantastic to listen to them talk and just engage with one another. You learn a lot about the character in these uh, in these scenes. There's a fantastic scene with Rick sitting out on a porch reading a book while a 12-year-old girl sitting next to him is reading one as well. And she's all starry-eyed, cannot wait to get into the movie business, where Rick is sitting there as a tired old grump who is just thinking, 
my time is coming to an end and this little girl's is sort of beginning. And I really enjoyed that back and forth between the two. And I loved the realization then that Rick is thinking, uh, Rick is telling the little girl what the book that he's reading is about. And he sort of gets this connection with the character and he breaks down a bit. And it is played for comedy, but at the same time, you can completely understand where he's coming from. And I really enjoyed that. And I think Tarantino is a master of that craft. And I really enjoyed the dialogue sequences and a lot more of the smaller sequences. The ranch scene, as I mentioned as well, was one of my favorite scenes. It does go on for a little too long, but I really enjoyed the tension that's built there. Uh, Cliff, Brad Pitt's character, goes out to the ranch after he picks up one of the Manson girls and drops her out. Uh, Pussycat is her name in the film, played by Margaret Qualley, who is quite good in the film, but her character is quite irritating. But she's a hippie, and in this setting, it does make complete sense, and I think that she played it very well. But in that scene, we do have a lot of uh, set up for the eventual, I suppose, payoff at the end of the film. So it was very good to have this scene. But I love the tension that was built. Um, we get Dakota Fanning in this scene. She shows up briefly. Did not know it was her. It took me a while to adjust. I'm like, holy shit, that is Dakota Fanning. And she was quite good as well. Bruce Dern shows up in this scene too. He was very good in the little brief scene that he had. Um, I really enjoyed his back and forth with Cliff on the bed. It was very funny, and Pitt plays it to perfection. He was fantastic. I do have a few negatives with the film, which I'll get into. Uh, the use of music. I adore the soundtrack, and I've been listening to it at work all week. But for the first hour of the film, we do have a lot of overuse of the music. There's a lot of scenes where characters are driving, and they're listening to the radio, and they have these songs playing on the radio. But instead of just one song playing, there's a scene when Brad Pitt's driving back home and he's driving through the LA nightlife. And I understand why the scene's there, but there's three songs that play in that period of time. And I just wish that it was done a little quicker and a little less as well. Because I think the more it's played, the more irritating it becomes. Um, but this is a little gripe. I just wish that there was fewer of these sequences and probably more sequences of Rick acting on set or more flashbacks with Brad Pitt acting as a stunt double as well. I think that would have been a lot more entertaining. The pacing in the second act as well fell a little short for me. Cutting between Sharon, Tate, Cliff and Rick whilst enjoyable was very jarring. Tarantino is notorious for not having a conventional narrative and rather playing off multiple characters. But jumping between these three characters was it was very irritating at points and I think it could have been cut down a bit. It's Sharon Tate's character in this film. Margot Robbie is fantastic, but she's featured so minimal that her sequences to me could have either been beefed up so they meant a little more or they could have been cut back. I I'm not sure which way I fall on this. I think that the scene when she's watching herself in the movie theater, I did enjoy it and it cuts back between her there, uh, Rick on set, and then we have Cliff out at the ranch. So we have the three different perspectives during this this sequence. But I just wish that it was, I suppose, I wish that it was a little more focused or, like I said, beefed up a little even. I would have liked to have seen more of Sharon Tate. Um, she is played in this film to be a very, again, starry-eyed. She's very in love um, with her partner, um, Roman Polanski at the time. And you see that she's just very she's very fond of making people happy. That's the general vibe that you get from her in the film. She loves when people are laughing at a film and enjoying themselves in the theatre. 
So I think that's what Tarantino was trying to get across, but I just wish there was a little more of her or even a little less of her. I'm still iffy on how I fall on that one and I'm not 100% sure. Um, but yeah, I really love this film. Um, there's fantastic sequences of Rick on sets and I really enjoyed them. There's a, a great scene where he uh, improvises a bit of dialogue and sort of gets back in his game. We see that shot in the trailer where the little girl comes over to him and says, that is the best acting I've ever seen. And he goes, thank you. And then afterwards he says, I'm Rick fucking Dalton. And like, he's got a few tears in his eyes and it was just fantastic. And then that scene too, we get a wonderful, wonderful little bit of um, uh, screen time of DiCaprio um, just <laughs> doing his thing in a trailer where he's messed up a line of dialogue and he's just going off and it is fucking fantastic i absolutely loved it and i thought it was really really good and i love seeing that side of him dicaprio in this film i do think will get nominated for an oscar brad pitt should because he was fantastic and he does steal a lot of the movie but i guess we'll see what happens oscar season and how hollywood takes to this movie um it's doing quite well at the box office critically it's doing excellent as well so we'll see how the old bags at the at the academy feel about it when it comes to oscar season I'll get into the my verdict of the film now, and then I'm going to talk a bit about spoilers. So if you don't want to listen to spoilers, you're able to tune out. But my verdict for the film, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a Hollywood fairy tale. Tarantino's beautiful direction and fantastic lead performances from DiCaprio, Pitt, and Margot Robbie allow this film to shine. It is Tarantino's love letter to 1960s Hollywood, paying homage to those who inspired him, but uneven pacing and the overuse of music in the first half of the film did drag it down a little for me. But I can't wait to see it again. I'm very happy that Tarantino is still able to make films like this in today's Hollywood landscape. And I think that in a film like this is very important. I will go and see this one again at the cinemas because I honestly had a blast. I'm going to give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a 9 out of 10. Alright guys, let's get into a few spoilers here. So if you haven't seen the film and don't want to hear spoilers, then tune out um, for the next 5 to 10 minutes. Um, yeah, you don't want, to, don't want to have these things spoiled for you. So that's your warning. Let's get into it. So the ending of the film, uh, Tarantino plays with history again here like he did with Inglourious Bastards. So what happens in this uh, ending is that we have Tex and the other members of the Manson cult um, pull up at the driveway of uh, a pregnant Sharon Tate after a night out. Rick and Cliff have also had a night out and um, Rick is quite drunk and the noisy muffler of the Manson car sort of stirs him a bit. He has a fantastic rage sequence at the Manson's going off at them and I thought it was hilarious. I laughed quite a bit in that scene. And Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth has... Um, smoked an ass, uh, a cigarette that he picked up from a hippie earlier in the film that was laced with acid and he is just tripping and the Manson cult then go out of the driveway and go and park on the side of the street Rick then retires to his pool floating around on his floaty chair and um, Cliff returns home with his dog which we see earlier in the film the dog is fantastic there's a great scene when uh, Brad Pitt's feeding his dog in his trailer and it was just awesome and um, and yeah, so what happens is they decide that they will kill the people of Hollywood. Uh, those who inspired violence um, will die at violent hands, pretty much. So their idea is to go to Rick Dalton's house and kill him. Um, so we have that fantastic sequence where Cliff is unaware that what's going on. He thinks that it's all fake. The Manson cult bursts into the house. 
There's a great exchange between him and Tex. And uh, pretty much, <laughs> Cliff Booth just brutally kills uh, these members of the Manson family in the most hilarious ways. And it is fucking fantastic. It is so great to see. Um, it's brutal. It is over-the-top violent. But it is fucking fantastic. And I absolutely adored it. I loved it. It was exactly what I wanted. It's over-the-top. It's crazy. But it's exactly what Tarantino does. And like I mentioned with what Tarantino does with violence here, completely dismisses the Manson of, Mansons of any power that they may have or that they did have. It exposes how delusion they are, delusional they are and just, it is fantastic. And one of them, crazy, um, comes out to the pool and Rick's floating around in his floaty chair. He has headphones on, he can't hear and she falls into the pool and his reaction is honestly hilarious. He escapes from the pool. She's crazy. She's got a knife. And uh, DiCaprio had set up earlier in the film that he played a character in a film um, killing Nazis. And he has a flamethrower from the set of that movie. And comes out and just tortures her. And it is, oh, it had me laughing hysterically. It was fantastic. Um, the next scene, the we think that there's a bit of a scare that Brad Pitt's character might have been shot and died. Um, but he's still alive and he's fine and uh, he's taken away in the ambulance and we have a bit of hope there that Cliff and Rick will be friends um, still and there's a great scene then where uh, Rick is confronted by the residents of the of Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski's house and um, he has a bit of a chat, a bit of an exchange and Sharon Tate invites him up so there's hope then that Rick's career will go on and maybe he started working with Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate and again it's taking fiction and mixing it with real life and I just really loved that and I thought it was fantastically executed just so enjoyable but yeah that's the over-the-top violent end of the film and I just honestly loved it um, let's talk a bit about um, some of these um, some of the other elements of the film so there's a plot device that is brought up during the film that Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth has been um, pretty much exiled from the stunt man uh, industry because he is linked with the murder of his wife. Um, we don't really know if he did kill his wife, uh, if it was intentional or if it was an accident. We don't really know. Uh, it cuts to the scene where um, Kurt Russell's character, his wife, doesn't want Cliff on set because he is just, yeah, he, he's bad news. He may have killed his wife and maybe got away with it as well. So we have a scene where we flash back to Cliff on the boat with his wife. They're having an awful argument and Cliff's been drinking. He's holding a harpoon by the looks of things and we don't see, we hear the shot but we don't really know, well we think we do, it could be a wave crashing. We don't actually know what happened. So this is actually a reference to Natalie Wood's death by the hands of maybe her husband Robert Wagner. Um, we don't actually know if that's true either, but we don't really know either what the go is with Cliff Booth and his wife. So I think that was what Tarantino was touching on, was that I uh, did a bit of research and had a bit of a look, and that's what uh, the consensus is, that that's the plot thread that he's pulling at, and again, playing with real life a bit here. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, because that can be taken in two directions then for the end of the film. Does Cliff have redemption for killing his wife by defending um roman polanski's wife and um that their unborn kid or 
is the ending a showcase more of that Cliff has a very violent nature and he did kill his wife. The movie purposely doesn't tell you, which is fascinating. And I think that's the point, is that you've got to come up with that yourself. It's a bit ambiguous in that way. Um, I think my personal thoughts on that are that I think that it was more of a a play on the fact that he, he is redeemed at the end of the film. And I, I, I would like that to be true because I loved uh, Brad Pitt's character so much during the film. But we do get a quote during the film when he is with the Manson cult and he says that I have something along the lines of I've escaped the law a few times and I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna go down um, killing you pretty much and that could be just a reference to other crimes maybe that he's committed but it did feel on the nose and felt like it did touch on that so I'm not 100% sure but that was just my spoiler thoughts for the for the film um, just a few little things yeah I, I honestly love love this film and I can't wait to see it again it is a little slow and it's different to Tarantino movies in some respects, but then in others, it is the most Tarantino that Tarantino has ever Tarantinoed. So, really, it is, yeah, it's just a really enjoyable Tarantino film. So, I've just said Tarantino about 47 fucking times as well, if you haven't counted. Um, yeah, but I love this film. It was it was fantastic. So, guys, that brings an end to this episode. I do have a few things I wanted to talk about. Um, I will be doing a few different things coming up that I just wanted to trial and just see what the response was that I get from a few a few of you out there. I, I want to try a different, um, I suppose, set out for the show. I want to start with a few different things, go over some movie news, get into reviews, and then close with a few mailbag questions. And I'm, I am trying to get that in place. I do have a stockpile of a few mailbag questions that we will be getting into. But I just want to... I suppose keep the show going with the time that I have. I do have limited recording time, so it does make it very difficult for me to actually record the podcast, edit the podcast, and then post the podcast. So I would like to have more of a set format, but I just need to play around a bit with this format and have a bit of fun with it. And I will do that along the way. Um, I do want to try a few uh, audio commentaries. Um, I set up a few mics with a few mates uh, sit in front of um, some B-movies and just have a good old time. Uh, I'll post on fo- Facebook maybe a few ideas that I have floating around and let you guys vote. Um, so if you haven't already liked the Facebook page, uh, that's Oz Movie Geek, um, and like me on Twitter and Instagram, it would just be very helpful and that way I can get across a few more of these things for you guys. Um, and I also like to review older films. Um I suppose the recent surge of me watching Tarantino's filmography has inspired me a little to revisit some older films, and I have been for the last couple of weeks. So I would love to talk about a few films from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It would be a dream of mine to be able to do that and find the time to do it for you guys along with the new releases and just everything. There's so many movies out there and so little time to talk about them all, but I do have thoughts on a fair few, and I would love to do a few more. Uh, the Us movie review will be coming soon, um, so stay tuned for that. But I've just got to work out a scheduling time with my mate and we'll be able to release that to you guys. But that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, thank you again. Go and check out these two films, Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They're both amazing. I love both of them. And it's great to talk about two movies I love. Um, and it's great not to be talking about a fucking Disney movie or a Marvel movie or a, 
Uh, and I'm not having a go at those movies because I do have a lot of fun watching them, but it's just so refreshing to see an original movie and just have a lot of fun with an original concept. It is just so enjoyable because the onslaught of just Marvel movies and Disney movies and sequels and reboots and prequels and reboot wolves and whatever the fuck, it's just so enjoyable to just sit down and watch an original film. So I'm looking forward to reviewing more original films. Um, and yeah, I will really recommend you guys go out and see both of these films if you get the chance. Don't be thrown out to that Parasite is a South Korean film because it is a very enjoyable film still. It may not be as accessible as many films, but I think if you broaden your horizons, you'll be surprised with exactly what kind of uh, films and entertainment that you can find. There's a lot of great stuff out there. And um, yeah, I found that myself in recent years, just watching different films. And there's so many great French films. And yeah, it's it, if you have the chance and you have the time and you have the patience, definitely check out some foreign films. I'll try and do more reviews when they come to my local cinema and when I'm able to pick them up on Blu-ray because I would love to talk about a few that I've seen this year. But that's it, guys. That's a bit of housekeeping done. Uh, make sure you like and review and rate and share and do all of that stuff with the podcast. Um, it really means a lot to me, guys. Thank you again for all your support. And next week, I will have another review up for you. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, I'm hoping to go see Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tongue because I do want to support more Australian films. And I'm also hoping to go and see The Kitchen. I don't know if I really want to see The Kitchen, but... We'll see. Um, but thanks, guys, again for listening. And until next time, peace out.